my life is not worth someone robbing the place. I'd be like, I don't get paid enough. Enjoy. Like, I'm still getting my paycheck either way. What's poppin' y'all? Welcome to Post Finale. I am your host, Ankit Madeira. I'm an actor and a musician who hasn't seen a lot of films, so to keep my friends happy and potentially provide a new perspective on some popular films, I am on a quest to change that. However, I am not on this quest alone. This week, I am once again joined by Michael Tanner, who is the co-author of the Junior Braves of the Apocalypse comic and also the writer for Orcs in Space comic, and is also part of the cast for a Fallout podcast called Rad Rolls. Michael, welcome back. How's it going? Doing pretty good. Thank you for having me back. I'm excited yeah, of to uh, wrap up this puppy. I am too. I'm sure a lot has changed in the eight minutes it has been since we took a break. Oh, you're just being <laughs> humble. We, we actually <laughs> recorded this back in 2008. You know, when I was 11. <laughs> <laughs> If I watched this movie when I was 11, I feel like I would have been scarred. <laughs> <laughs> so, last week I asked you, you know, what was your background on the film? You have an extensive background on the film. This week I have another fun question. If you could choose one of the main characters to play, who would you want to play in this film? Oh, that's a good one. Hmm. I gotta go with Vincent. I mean, he's got, you know, some great lines, some great kind of like character bits. Yeah, I'd go with Vincent. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's a good choice. I mean, you can't really go wrong with any of them. Yeah. Vincent's, Vincent's a good casting. There we go. John Travolta. Why not? So this week we're continuing. Last week we finished off. We finished the Golden Watch story, so we have one more story in Pulp Fiction to get through, and that is the Bonnie situation. So, we start with us back, back, way back, when Jules is yelling at Brett, who was the burger boy, deciding to eat a burger at 7.30 in the morning for breakfast. Wild choice. Bold choice. Bold choice. Bold choice. And however, this time we see it from another perspective. We see another guy and he's in another room holding a gun. And he's listening to what is happening outside. And we hear him whisper to himself, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. He moves closer to the door as Jules is going through his Ezekiel Bible quote. And then we hear them kill Brett. And also at this moment, I was like, oh. They didn't kill the black kid who was standing by the door. He just drops and screams and then just repeats to himself, I'm fucked, I'm fucked, what did I do, I'm fucked. I thought that Vincent killed him. Ah. In the last angle, I wasn't 100% sure, and props to my guest Jeremy for that episode, because when I brought it up to him, he just said, yep, that tracks, and just let me believe <laughs> that he was dead. So thank you, Jeremy, because I was like, oh, he's not dead. Okay, here we go. So apparently he didn't die. Vincent asks if this kid is a friend of Jules, and Jules introduces them. Apparently his name is Marvin, Marvin Vincent, Vincent Marvin. And 
Jules tells Marvin to knock it off, the muttering to himself. It's getting on Vincent's nerves. So the guy from earlier who's hiding in this other room bursts out and yells, Die, you motherfuckers, die! And he shoots his revolver six times until it's out of bullets. He has hit absolutely nobody. Vincent and Jules just look at themselves, and they look at each other like, What? No bullets? This is odd. And then they kill the third guy. He's, he's dead. Cool. Never even got named. Yeah, that, and that's a wrap on that guy. And that whole, uh, that whole scene, right? Like, I think it's the... We get the shot of them pointing not quite at the camera and shooting, and then we cut away, right? Yeah, we just cut away, and it's just Vincent going over to Marvin and going, did you not want to tell us that there was someone else in the bathroom with a hand cannon? Was this not important information to tell us? And then Jules hits him with a beautiful line going, you see the size of the gun he fired at us? It was bigger than him. (laughs) Which... (laughs) I don't know if it was that big, Jules. It was a revolver. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's about the same size as what you're holding with the pistol in your hand. Actually, it might be a bit smaller than your pistol. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jules says that they should be dead. Vincent agrees. Little does he know. <laughs> Joke's on him. <laughs> so, he says that they were lucky. Jules says it wasn't luck, but divine intervention, and asks Vincent if he knows what that is. Vincent turns around like, dude, what do you mean? Of course I know what this is. He answers by saying it means that God came down and stopped the bullets. Jules agrees, and he says that's what happened. And Vincent says that it's time to leave, and Jules is like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't blow it off like this doesn't just happen. And Vincent is like, look, would you rather continue this theological discussion in a car or in a jailhouse with cops? Vincent's got a pretty valid point. <laughs> yeah, because there's a because that's not the first gunshots that have been heard in this building in the morning. Is, you know, they, they shot the guy on the couch and then they unloaded onto Brett. There's been a lot of gunshots. They should probably get moving. There have been four rounds of gunshots. Because it was killing the couch boy. And then it was killing Brett, which was excessive. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, that was excessive gunshots. And then you had the guy running out of the bathroom with the hand cannon, as they would like to describe it. It was a revolver. But still, a hand cannon. That was six shots right there. And then they killed him. Well, that's a fair number of shots. I thought a lot of bullets in this apartment for, again, 7.30 in the morning. They should probably get moving. Exactly. Exactly. So, Vincent's got a point. Jules says that they should be dead and that this was a miracle. And he just wants Vincent to acknowledge it. So, I don't really know if he does because it just kind of cuts. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't acknowledge it. Vincent is now talking about an episode of Cops. Now, I have never seen this TV show. Have you? You've never seen Cops? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, never seen it. Oh, it's like classic american 90s television they just followed cops with cameras as they usually were just harassing the poor um, <laughs> occasionally they actually like caught like criminal criminals but yeah uh, that was cops yeah that sounds like classic 90s american television yeah <laughs> okay so he was talking about 
an episode where something like this happens and just freaky things happen. Jules isn't having any of it, and he says that from this moment on, consider him retired. He is done. He wants out of the mob business. Vincent says, just settle down like you're freaking out. It's okay. But Jules is like, no, no, no. I have made up my mind, and I am telling Marcellus today. And he doesn't care if Marcellus laughs at him for his reason. He's like, I will tell him my reason, but I'm not offended by it like you know this is just my reason this is my decision i want to be done so it does make sense now when you brought up last week like did i notice that vincent wasn't with jules at that boxing match yeah it makes sense and it seems like you know so i already know that jules and vincent make it to marcellus Mm -hmm. because we've seen that scene already yeah. And I've kind of put together where we are in the timeline of things happening at this point. And so I know that they make it out of this situation alive. And so this makes me less confident that Marcellus is going to die at the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought it could make you more confident. You know, you could think that there's maybe going to be an issue with Jules retiring and maybe it gets, you know, it escalates and uh, Jules kills Marcellus. You know, there's still still a lot that could happen. There is still hope. Not a lot. (laughs) I'd say I'm at about 8% hope right now, which is more than I thought I would have. (laughs) As long as you have a little bit, just a little bit. There's a solid 8% of hope. Find out. (laughs) So, Vincent then turns around and he asks Marvin, who is sitting in the back seat, what he thinks about this. Now, Vincent turns around with his gun pointed at Marvin, and I'm like, why is it so specific of this shot that you can specifically see the gun? And I was like, why is that important? We're about to find out. Marvin says that he doesn't have an opinion. Vincent is just like, everyone has an opinion. What do you mean you don't have an opinion? And as he continues to question Marvin about this, he accidentally shoots Marvin in the face. And we just get a cutaway to the back of the car, and you just see the explosion of blood and brains on the back windshield. It is uh, amazing. And then you cut right back into the car, and Josh Polt's reaction is, oh, man, I just shot Marvin in the face. And Jules is like, what the hell happened? Like, what's, what's going on? He's just covered in blood. Yeah. My literal reaction was, bye-bye, Marvin. Yeah. <laughs> like, poor guy. <laughs> yeah, poor guy. Like, he thought he was kind of maybe in the clear, but nope, shot in the face. He was like, and I'm it- sitting in a car. It's okay. Yeah, and I love Jules' reaction because he treats it like he's obviously upset, but he also, it's the same reaction as if someone had spilled a milkshake in the backseat. He's like, come on, like, what? Like we gotta, like we gotta pull over. We gotta do something about this. Not just that right. this guy he knows just got shot in the face, and he doesn't mind that Marvin's dead as yeah. much as like the situation that has now arisen because Marvin is dead. Marvin so. getting shot in the face is nothing more than a hassle, a real like big hassle for Jules. But it's not like a tragedy. Yeah, Jules just didn't want to deal with this at seven thirty in yeah. the morning. At this point. 7.45. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, they've been driving. 
I do like that Travolta's like, just we just gotta find a friendly place to like stash the car. And Jules is like, this is the valley. I don't know anyone here. Exactly. I don't know anyone here. Marcellus doesn't have a friendly place in the valley. Yeah. <laughs> so Jules calls his partner in Toluca Lake. And at first I was like, I thought Vincent was his partner. And I guess <laughs> He just has he more just friends. His, his buddy, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. He's got a, a wide social social circle. Yeah. So Jules calls him up and says, Jimmy, we need a place. Like, we need to use your garage for a couple of hours and that they're in some serious shit. They make it to Jimmy's house and they are in the bathroom. They are washing up. And Jules reveals that they have to be very careful around Jimmy and that they are one remark away from Jimmy kicking them out the door. Now, Jules says that they ain't leaving without making a couple of phone calls and figuring this out, but you don't just do this to a friend. You don't just roll up, tell them what's what, and also you got to understand it from Jimmy's point of view. He wasn't expecting this at 8 a.m., and Jules is like, we got to remember who's doing who a favor. Like, Jimmy's helping us out. Like, we can't be rude to him. Vincent says, if the favor includes him taking shit, he doesn't want it. <laughs> and then, because they're washing up, Jules then flips out over Vincent using Jimmy's towel and making it all red with blood. <laughs> yeah, it's a very funny domestic gangster conversation. I really like it. It's like, you gotta kind of wash your hands off before you dry them, get blood all over his friend's towels. Like, it's all about ru being rude and being polite, which is funny because Vincent is very much like he's very sensitive in this story. Where he's like, you know, like like you said, he's like, I'm not gonna like eat shit. If someone is doing me a favor. Like he's like, you know, you gotta be nice, and that comes up later. But yeah, yeah, it's just be polite. Gangsters gotta be polite if they want to get just stuff be polite. Done. And Vincent was like, I was just trying off my hands. And Jules is like, well, you had to wash them first. <laughs> Vincent's like, you washed me wash them. And Jules just hits him back with, I washed you get them wet. Wet. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Wonderful. So Vincent says that blood is hard to get off. Maybe if he had lava instead, I could have done a better job. And I was like, your hands would be gone. <laughs> but I appreciated the joke. Jules is like, I used the same soap that you did, but when I was done, the towel didn't look like a maxi pad. <laughs> <laughs> that is a really good scene, yeah. Just some very good lines, very good scenes, amazing. So Jules stops and just stops himself and is like, look, you know I respect you, but don't put me in this position. Vincent's like, all right, fine. And we cut to everyone having coffee in the kitchen. We see Jimmy. Is Jimmy played by Quentin Tarantino? Absolutely. Okay. I was slightly confused, and then when I was looking up facts about this film for the end, because after I watch it up, I look up all the facts. We'll get to it. But as I was looking it up, I was like, um, I recognize this face. It's just <laughs> younger in the film than in this photo. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, okay, fair enough. Played by Quentin Tarantino as well, because Tarantino was like, I want to be in this, but also I want to be this guy. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny, like he, he couldn't decide if he wanted to play the drug dealer or play Jimmy, and he eventually settled on playing Jimmy. Ah. I'm not sure, I don't remember the story why, but 
those were the two parts that he thought about playing himself. Fair enough. I liked him as Jimmy, and I liked the drug dealer as the drug dealer, so I think he made the right choice. Yeah. But yeah, so Jules is in the kitchen. He's praising this coffee, calling it gourmet and sweet. Gourmet shit. And wonderful. Jimmy ain't having none of it. Yeah. He tells him to knock it off. He doesn't need praise about the coffee. He knows that it's good because he buys it. His wife, Bonnie, she buys the shit stuff, but he buys the gourmet things because he wants to taste it. But right now, what's on his mind is not the coffee in the kitchen, but, and I quote, this is Ugh. his specific Don't quote. Don't quote it. Everyone I'm not going to do it. Everyone knows the line. He's worried about the person in the garage. Yeah, if you don't know the line, just go watch the scene. Yeah. You know it. No, I wasn't actually going to quote it. <laughs> I still want to have a career. <laughs> so he then asks, when you came to my house, did you see a sign that said dead people storage? Jimmy is obviously not having any of this. And he's like, of course there was no sign because there wasn't a sign. Storing dead people is not my job. If Bonnie comes home and finds a dead body in the house, Jimmy's going to get divorced and Jimmy don't want to get divorced. <laughs> No trial separation, just fucking divorced. Just straight, you're jumping every step. And you know what? I can respect Jimmy. He's just like, I don't want this. Yeah, he clearly is aware of, like, what Jules' deal is, that he's, like, a gangster. But that doesn't mean he wants it, like, in his in his house. Yeah, like, he doesn't mind that Jules is a gangster, but at the same time, he's like, don't bring dead people to my house. Yeah. And it's like, my wife Bonnie comes home in an hour and a half. It's got to be taken care of then. Exactly. So he says, call whoever you need. Get out. Before she gets here, get out. Jules responds with, that's cool in the gang. We don't want to fuck up your shit. And Jimmy's just like, my shit's fucked up now, but it's going to be fucked up big time if Bonnie comes home. So go to the bedroom. That's where the phone is and get this started. <laughs> Beautiful. I loved it. No notes. <laughs> so we cut to Marcellus on the phone and he is at his fancy home on a cliff he has a pool behind him we see that he has just finished breakfast he is wearing a very nice yellow turtleneck some round sunglasses and some nice black pants was a nice fit yeah he's, he's looking sharp I enjoyed it looks good Mia sunbathing nearby a perfect oh, I didn't even catch that I was distracted oh, yeah. by yellow turtleneck <laughs> there's some because she's kind of she's wearing like sunglasses and stuff so it's one of those things where we used to debate like if it was Mia or not or it was just like some other woman but we definitely kind of get the impression that you know I feel like Marcellus even if he does take women on the side like they're not over at his house in the morning so it's I think yeah. it's the last time we see Uma Thurman in the movie is for sunbathing in the I think the I think it's actually the foreground of the scene sure lovely yeah I didn't catch her but yeah Marcella seems like if he were to have affairs he wouldn't bring them home yeah he seems like a very loving husband mm -hmm. so I don't think that Marcellus is the type of guy that would have affairs. Yeah. I mean, it's very, you know. I'd like to think that he doesn't. I would like to live in the world where he doesn't, you know. I want to live in the world where Marcellus Wallace is a is a monogamous gangster. Yeah. You know, it's it's rare that you find one, 
and I think we have found one. So I would like to live in that reality. <laughs> I have that. no reason to not believe that we live in re- that reality. Fair. Fair. So Marcellus asks, he's just like, look, there's no doubt that she'll freak out, but how much or how little is the question? Jules then says that he's got to appreciate how explosive the Bonnie situation truly is. She comes home from a hard day's work, finding a bunch of gangsters in her kitchen, doing a bunch of gangster shit. There ain't no telling what she's liable to do. Now, of course, at the same time, we see Bonnie coming home. She drops off her keys. She walks through the house. She enters the kitchen and she sees Jules and Vincent carrying Marvin's dead body through the kitchen with Jimmy behind them. (laughs) All three men look terrified that she is there and that they have been caught. And I was like, oh, no, this is not good. And then it cuts back to Marcellus, and I was like, oh, this was just imaginary. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, this didn't actually happen. But we cut back to Marcellus, and he says that he gets that, but is just contemplating the ifs. Jules don't want to hear any ifs. He just wants to hear, don't worry, I got you, I'm on it, just go back in there, wait for the cavalry, which should be coming directly. Marcellus is like, okay, fine. He says all of that, but he changes cavalry for the wolf should be coming directly. And I was like, who's the wolf? We find out very soon. And Jules seems very okay with that. So I was like, this is the fixer. Yep. Like, that's that's all you had to say. Yeah. (laughs) That's all you had to say. And Jules is happy. We then cut to Wolf. He's at some party that's happening at 9 a.m. Again, yeah. Or 8 a.m. A, a formal event with the men in tuxedos and the women in ball gowns at 8 a.m. Presumably, maybe on a work day. We're not told it's a weekend day. So, like, it, it's weird. Like I mentioned last episode, like, there's some weird time stuff. Or, like, you know, burgers at 7 in the morning. Black tie event at 8 in the morning in the valley. It's a little, a little weird. But yeah, so we, this is where we meet the wolf. Yeah, we meet Wolf. He's in a secluded bedroom, and he's having a conversation on the phone. He's getting all the information, all the names. Jules, Vincent, Jimmy, Bonnie. He says that the place is 30 minutes away. I'll be there in 10. Then we get a little timestamp. Nine minutes and 37 seconds later, a car pulls up, and we get Wolf, and he solves problems. Now, Wolf enters the house. He confirms the facts that Bonnie is scheduled to arrive at 9.30 a.m., and that she wouldn't appreciate finding the boys here. That gives them 40 minutes to get out as long as they do what he says and when he says it, and it gives them plenty of time to take care of everything. So currently, it is 8.50 is where we're at, just time-wise. So he asks to be taken to the corpse and the head, which are in two different places. I'm not really sure how there is still a head, as it kind of got blown to smithereens. There might be a, you know, kind of a... Remnants. Yeah, or a head with um, a cavity in the middle. So it's more like a, like a donut. <laughs> Just a donut head. Yeah. <laughs> the face is gone, but everything else is still there. <laughs> so Wolf gets to the car and then asks Jimmy for a favor. A cup of coffee. He takes it with a lot of cream and a lot of sugar. Wolf asks if there is anything about the car that he needs to know. Jules says that other than the way that it looks, as far as he knows, the car is in tip-top shape. 
They go back to the kitchen. Wolf gets his coffee. And Wolf says, first thing is that he tells Vince and Jules to put the body in the trunk. He then tells them to take all the cleaning products and clean the inside of the car as fast as possible. Go into the back seat, scoop up all the little pieces of brain and skull. Yeah, made my skin crawl, but also, <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do when you're in a rough situation. Like, you put yourselves here. This is your fault. So, get it down and wipe down the upholstery. Now, the upholstery isn't the important thing that they have to worry about. What they need to worry about is the pools of blood that they need to soak. So, Wolf then turns to Jimmy and says, Jimmy, I'm sorry, but we kind of got to raid your linen closet. Blankets, quilts, bedspreads, anything. The thicker and the darker, the better. They cannot use white. I'm like, why do you need this? I mean, sure, maybe to soap up the blood, but like, what's going on here? I was kind of confused, but Wolf explains. They plan to camouflage the interior of the car. They will line the front seat, the back seat, and the floorboards. And that way, if a cop stops them, the subterfuge won't last. But at a glance, the car will appear normal. This is an ingenious idea. Yeah. I see why he is the man who fixed things. It's, you know, he has the, you know, putting a blanket over it. How many of us haven't solved problems by just putting a blanket over it? I have definitely done that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Putting a blanket over it. Sometimes it's just what needs to happen. You'll solve the rest of the issue later, but it's the quick fix. Yeah. You just got to put a cover over it. Yeah, and I like the, the wolf is given a lot of orders, and then uh, Vincent starts to bristle. He's like, please would be nice. Which yep. is like, what? The ball's on Vincent. And Vincent says that like, please would be nice. <laughs> the wolf, as well as Jules, because Jules has this look on his face like, boy, shut up before I blow your head off. Yeah. <laughs> like, And Wolf turns, and I agree with Wolf. Because, like, Wolf is there to get them out of the mess that Vincent created. Yeah. I'm like, Vincent, just get to work. And Wolf says, I'm not here to say please, but I'm here to tell you what to do. And if self-preservation is an instinct that you possess, do it now, do it quick. I'm here to help, but if the help isn't appreciated, best of luck. And Vincent's like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. I do respect you. I just don't like people barking orders at me. And I, I had two things. I was like, one, the balls on Vincent. Yeah. Props to Vincent. And two, if you don't like people barking orders at you, Vincent, you're in the wrong business. <laughs> uh, learn better trigger discipline, Vincent, if you don't want to have issues like this. But I like your, the wolf is like, ends it with like, so pretty please with sugar on top. Like, Okay, get to work. Go clean the fucking car. Yeah. <laughs> so, Wolf also says that, like, I'm Kurt because time is a factor. We don't have time for the niceties. You called me because time is a factor. So, get to work. Jules looks at Vincent, and Vincent is like, don't look at me like that. I can feel your look. I can feel your judging. And I was like, I love this. <laughs> I was like, these two were a married couple. <laughs> so... We then get to the next scene, and 
Wolf is on the phone describing the car. It is a 1974 green Chevy Nova. Says they're about 20 minutes left of time. And nobody who will be missed is gone. That's hurtful to Marvin. It's rough. You know, Marvin probably had a mom. You know, that's very hurtful. Exactly. I'm sure Marvin's mom would miss him. I would like to think that Marvin's mom is alive. We're going to live in that universe. So, Jimmy says that he has found the linen, but there is something that Wolf needs to understand. And that this is their best linen, and it was a wedding gift from his uncle Conrad and Aunt Ginny. And he wants to help, but also, and just at that moment, Wolf interrupts and says, Your uncle Conrad, your Aunt Ginny, were they millionaires? Jimmy responds with no. And Wolf is just like, well, your uncle Marcellus is. And Wolf is positive that if Uncle Conrad and Uncle Ginny were millionaires, that they would furnish him with the whole bedroom set which Uncle Marcellus is more than happy to do. They then have an entire conversation about being an oak man. Very nice. Love it. Wolf pulls out a wad of cash. He gives him a ton of money. And that's pretty much the end of that. And it's like, great, we're using the nice linens. Oops. <laughs> so we are now with Jules and Vincent in the car. Back to these two characters. Love them. So, Jules is pissed at Vincent, says he will never forgive Vincent for this, and Vincent asks if Jules has ever heard of the philosophy that once a man admits he is wrong, he is immediately forgiven for all wrongdoings. Now, I have never heard of this philosophy, have you? I don't believe I have. Cool. Now, the second thing that I have if this philosophy is real, I feel like it would help a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it would help a lot of people be assholes. Oh, it wouldn't justify good behavior. How do you, <laughs> how, do, how do you prove that someone like legitimately understands that they were wrong? So, you know, it's kind of like, I guess, Catholic confession. You just say, oh, sorry. Oh, all right. I guess you're good now. I guess so. That's That's kind of it. I don't really know how this works, but here we go. <laughs> so I did appreciate that he was like no 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 this is the thing like I, I, I appreciate that Vincent's like I'm gonna try to get out of this like let's let's see what I might be able to sprinkle in <laughs> Jules says get out of my car with that shit whoever said that never had to pick up any bitty tiny pieces of skull Vincent says that he is on a threshold of the amount of abuse that he is willing to take and right now, he is a race car, and Jules has him at a red. And that is very dangerous because he is ready to blow. And I had a few thoughts. One, I was like, you are the reason that you are in this mess, so shut up. But also, two, I get it. Like, there is only so much that you can take. Like, fine, like, you have apologized multiple times. Like, I am very sorry that we are in this situation. So I get where Vincent is coming from. However... Neither of these were the issues that I took with this. The biggest issue that I took was that if a race car is at red, it would be stationary. And that is not usually when race cars blow up. So his entire analogy does not make any sense. This is where I'm at. <laughs> this is where I'm at. This is the types of things that I notice. <laughs> like, I don't watch race car driving very often, but they normally blow up when it's green and they can drive. <laughs> so... Jules says, well, 
again, a fantastic quote that I will quote. Jules says, well, I'm a mushroom cloud laying motherfucker, motherfucker. Every time my finger touches brain, I'm super fly TNT. I'm the guns of the Navarone. Am I missing something here? What is the Superfly TNT and what are the guns of the Navarone? Guns of the Navarone is a World War II movie okay. about a, a mission to destroy a massive German artillery piece, which was the guns of the Navarone. They were in the Navarone Mountains. So that's that's that reference. And just Superfly TNT would be a reference to the exploitation movies from the 70s. Okay. Lovely. I figured that they were references that I was just like, I don't know. I don't watch films, hence the podcast. <laughs> so <laughs> Jules then realizes, and I like that it takes him this long to realize, why am I in the back? Vincent should be the one on brain detail. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. I did make another prediction here. And my prediction is that these two will not actually get anything done. And... Bonnie will end up getting home before they all get out. She will catch them, but Bonnie will just be way too tired after working the graveyard shift to care and will just go to bed and be like, whatever, just deal with whatever you're dealing with and just get out of my house. <laughs> that is my prediction of what is going to happen. So I did also make the prediction at this time, they're going to borrow the clothes from Jimmy so that they aren't driving around in bloody suits. And that's why we see them in the t-shirts and the shorts later time-wise, nice, yeah. but earlier in the film. I did clock mm. that now of like, oh, that's also going to happen during this whole sequence. Because if they have to clean everything up, they have to clean themselves as well, which we're about to get to. So, Wolf comes out. He checks the car. They did a good job. So, immediately, I was wrong. <laughs> I literally, maybe 10 seconds into the next scene i'm like well that prediction was wrong they got everything cleaned so phase one is done phase one was cleaning the car phase two is now cleaning jules and vincent they're outside jules and vincent are told to strip off the bloody rags and their bloody suits they toss the suits into a garbage bag and jimmy hands them soap now the wolf says okay gentlemen you've both been to county before i'm sure here it comes and then sprays them with the hose if anyone ever needs to spray someone with a hose, use that line. It's a fantastic line. Maybe adjust county to something that might fit the people. <laughs> the situation. The situation. Maybe don't say, okay, you've been to county before if you're about to spray your five-year-old with the hose before they get into your pool or whatever. But, like, you know, adjust it. Use your creative. I, in fact, I, I feel like do say it to your five-year-old because they're not going to understand what's going on, but you'll be amused. So, you know, find little joys. Look, you got to create your own entertainment sometimes. I truly believe that. If you don't create your own entertainment, you're just going to live a sad life sometimes. And, you know, have fun. Life is hard enough. You can create your own entertainment and have a little bit of fun. Indeed. So, they're just... At this point, Wolf and Jimmy are just enjoying the misery of Jules and Vincent as the cold water is there. They're trying to shower and, like, get clean. They finish their shower. They get dressed in the t-shirts and the shorts. And I was like, aha, that part of the prediction did come right. So at least half <laughs> of it's right. <laughs> so Wolf laughs and Jimmy and Wolf are laughing at them, calling them dorks. Beautiful, just fun little scene right there. They look like dorks. 
Yeah. They, and Jewel says, they're your clothes, motherfucker. <laughs> I did appreciate that. But I also did like how Jimmy's like, so you still look like dorks. Yeah. <laughs> we then see a trash bag with presumably the dirty suits in them tossed into the trunk. Now, for a very fleeting second, you can see that Marvin is now simply a mannequin and there is just a mannequin head in the trunk. <laughs> Perfect. Wolf goes over the rules of the road. They are going to a place called Monster Joe's Truck and Tow. And Monster Joe and his daughter Raquel are sympathetic to this dilemma that they are in. It is in North Hollywood, so other than a few twists and turns, they are going up Hollywood way. Based on how it sounds, it's a very busy road. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, Wolf will drive the tainted car with Jules. Vincent will follow in the Acura. And if they come across any cops, nobody does anything until Wolf does something. They all agree to this. Wolf hands Vincent the keys and says if his car is any different than how he gave it, then Monster Joe will have two bodies to dispose of. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. So, we're at Monster Joe's, and we see Wolf walking out, and he says we're cool, like nothing happened. And I was like, did we not get anything? Okay, like, it didn't make a difference, but I was, like, surprised that that was the cut that was made. I thought that we would have seen a little bit of the driving, we would have seen a little bit of them getting there. Mm Mm-hmm. Or see, we don't see the crush, the car crushed, do we? Or do we? I can't remember now. No, we don't. Is the car crushed? I would assume so. That's the idea is the car would get crushed and then, you know, now that's put into it, like they, they squeeze into a little cube and then, you know, rack it up somewhere until it's like shipped over to China to be recycled. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I guess that makes sense. But yeah, like I thought that we would see a little more of the details. I mean, we didn't need to. And the cut works perfectly without seeing it mm-hmm. so it didn't take anything away i just my first time watching it through i thought that we would see a couple more of the details before we see them all out in the clear but mm-hmm. i guess we're in the clear the guys are introduced to raquel and she asks if vincent and jules are dressed for a volleyball game i like that she is also sassy yeah i appreciate sassy characters so Wolf offers to drop them off, but apparently they live so far away that he just goes, you know what? I can see the future, and in the future, I see a cab ride. He tells them to move out of the sticks and to stay out of trouble. Jules and Vincent thank Wolf, and as they walk to the car, there's a beautiful exchange where Wolf says, you see that young lady? Respect. Respect for one's elders shows character. Raquel, I have character. Wolf, because you are a character doesn't mean you have character. (laughs) Perfect. And as Kelso would say in that 70s show, burn. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful, like, such a good line right there. Yes, it's played off as a bit of a joke in the thing, but it's just a very meaningful line as well. Yeah, it's fun little flirty interaction between the two of them for like, no apparent reason because it's the first time you ever see Raquel and last time and last time you see the wolf so it's a funny like oh there's a there's a movie going on with these characters that does not involve the one that we're watching yeah 
And I like that. It's like, hey, all of these characters actually have other things happening in their lives. We're just seeing snippets of this of their lives. And that's all there is to it. Yeah. So Wolf leaves and then Vincent asks Jules if he wants to go get some breakfast. And we end up at a place called the Hawthorne Grill. Now, in all caps, I have, wait a minute. Is this it? Is this the scene from the very beginning? And then I continue. If it is, the guy and the girl will try to rob the place. With Vincent and Jules inside, there will be a shootout. Vincent and Jules will win. And on this prediction, I think we break for intermission and then we come back and find out what happens at the Hawthorne Grill. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the intermission. I hope you all are enjoying this episode of Post Finale as we finish up going through Pulp Fiction and watching the rest of the film. Now, real quick, anyone who came out to the queer cabaret that I was in this past weekend, thank you all so much. We had a great time, and it was a night of very fun performances and just a fun, silly time. And thank you all for coming, and all the money was going to a good cause. Now, if you would like to help the show grow and help the show financially and gain access to loads of bonus content, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash postfinale. If you go there and you sign up for any of the tiers, you get a shout out on the show, as well as you get access to bonus content depending on what tier you sign up for. And that can range anywhere from bonus audio clips to where I talk about some films that I really like. I've kind of labeled some of my top films in there that I have seen currently and different things like that. So be sure to go check that out if that is something that interests you. And you can also gain access to my notes, so the notes that are going on there. And all the money made from the Patreon will go straight back into the show. And I hope that you're able to do that. And if you're not, that is completely fine. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really appreciate it. And please do join us for next week's episode as well, where we start watching the first horror film that I am watching. And the first horror film that I am watching in such a long time that I do not remember the last horror film that I watched. So be sure to tune in next week to get my take on that. And also, if you want to keep up to date and find out what we are watching and what content will be discussed on the show, be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at PostFinalePod on all three of those platforms. And thank you all so much for tuning into this episode. So let's get back into it. Cool. So Vincent just assumed that Wolf would be European, apparently, for some reason. I don't know why. He doesn't really know why. He just thought that he would be. But either way, Wolf was a cool guy. So they're going back and forth. Vincent offers some bacon to Jules. And Jules says that pigs are filthy animals and he doesn't eat filthy animals. Aren't pigs technically cleaner than humans or something like that because of, like, the mud or something? Yeah, but people don't often think about that. Like, because then doesn't Jules, like, just by, like, eats and roots and shit? Yep. Sewer rat might taste like pumpkin pie. Or, yeah, because Vincent's like, pork chop tastes good. Tastes good. Bacon <laughs> tastes good. And it's like, pork <laughs> sewer rat might taste like pumpkin pie, but I'd never know because I'd never eat the filthy motherfucker. Yeah. Which, again, one of the lines just quoted for no apparent reason all throughout the rest of my life. 
that's one that I haven't heard as often from this film. And it's that thing of where, like, I hear the quotes, but I never know what it's from. Mm -hmm. Then I watch this film, and I'm like, is this where it came from? (laughs) Like, wait a minute. (laughs) So Vincent then asks, what about a dog? And Jules says, I wouldn't eat a dog. And Vincent's like, no, 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 I meant about the filthy thing. So Jules is like, oh, yeah, no, a dog is dirty, not filthy. Dogs have personality, and personality goes a long way. So Vincent's like, okay, well, based on that logic, if a pig had a better personality, would he cease to be a filthy animal? And Jules is just like, well, it had to be one charming fucking pig. (laughs) (laughs) So... Vince says, hey, this is good. Like, Jules, you're starting to lighten up. It's good to see you lighten up. And Jules is lightening up a bit. And Jules says that he has been sitting there and he's been thinking about the miracle that they just witnessed. Vincent says the miracle you witnessed, I witnessed a freak occurrence. And Jules then asks Vincent, what is a miracle? Vincent says that it is an act of God. And an act of God is when he makes the impossible possible. But... He doesn't think that the morning qualifies. I'm confused why, and so is Jules. Because based on the definition that he just gave us, seems like an act of God. Like, just saying. <laughs> yeah, fair. But, yeah, like, just based on Vincent's definition of it. Mm-hmm. So, Jules does say, though, that it doesn't matter in the end, and that Vincent is judging it the wrong way. It could have been God who stopped the bullets, changed Coke to Pepsi, found your car keys. I'm okay with all of these, but Coke to Pepsi? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because sure. nobody wants. Nobody. Oh, yeah, I was going to say because nobody wants Pepsi, although I like Pepsi. But yeah, that is kind of a weird one. Other than it's just like, hey, something that, you know. Yeah. Would not normally happen. That's not a normal thing. But. You don't judge these things on merit, right? What is significant and what Jules says is significant and what he felt was the touch of God. And so for Jules, he feels like God got involved. And that's what's fucking with him because Jules doesn't know why he got involved. And I get that. Like, sometimes there are just things that you just can't explain. And, you know, for Jules, that's his... God is his way, and for a lot of people in the world, God is their way of explaining things that just cannot be explained. Mm -hmm. And that's completely fine. But then also, I understand where he's coming from of, like, God got involved, but I don't know why. Like, why did he give me this chance to not... I should be dead, but I'm not. So, why? And he starts questioning that. And I get that. It's it's a difficult conversation to kind of have. Yeah, it's enough to make you reevaluate your entire life. Which, hey, that's what uh, Jules is doing. Kind of. So Jules confirms that his plan is to still retire. But he isn't sure what he will do, but he has a list. Number one, deliver the case to Marcellus. And number two, walk the earth. Like Kane and Kung Fu. I'm assuming this is another movie reference that I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's a popular 70s TV show. Starring David Carradine, who would later star as Bill in the Kill Bill movies. Okay. Well, I'm excited to see him because I will at some point watch the Kill Bill movies. I've heard amazing things about both of them. Yeah. Just haven't gotten to them yet. Figured I would start my adventure 
of Tarantino films on this podcast with Pulp Fiction because Fair I enough. know that it is considered one of his crudités and one of the better ones. So, yeah. So, Jules says that he'll walk the earth until God puts him where he is meant to be, however long that takes. Vincent is adamant and is just like, Jules, all you've decided to do is be a bum. Jules disagrees, but Vincent's like, no, no, no. Like, he's very insistent that this is what it is. At the same time, we see the people from the beginning, the guy and the girl, and they order the coffee. And I'm like, haha, I was right. It is the same diner. So at least that prediction came right. Mm -hmm. So Vincent agrees that the morning was peculiar, but says water into wine. And then Jules hits him with all shapes and sizes. Vincent doesn't like that, and Jules tells him that if you are frightened of my answer, stop asking me questions. Fair enough. Vincent gets up to go use the bathroom, and Jules says, Yes, while I was sitting here eating my muffin, having my coffee, I had a moment of what alcoholics refer to as a moment of clarity. Fair enough. It can happen for anyone at any moment in time. For Jules, it was while he was having a muffin. Vincent continues off, he heads to the bathroom, and Jules is sitting there contemplating. And then the guy and the girl get up and they start robbing the place. Pumpkin, who I originally thought was the girl, turns out Pumpkin is the boy. So yeah. Pumpkin is yelling for waitresses to get on the ground. And Jules is just sitting there sipping his coffee, like just minding his own business. He's just like, I'm in my booth, whatever. So Pumpkin forces everyone onto the ground. They get everyone out of the kitchen and into the restaurant. The manager comes out and says, we don't have a problem. And... Pumpkin says, we have a problem, like, we have a hero. And the girl, whose name is Honey Bunny, tells him to execute the manager. The manager says, I'm not a hero, I just manage a coffee shop, I don't want any trouble, take what you want, just get out, like, you know, no trouble at all. Which completely tracks to what Pumpkin and Honey Bunny thought was gonna happen, and the very first scene, and as someone who has worked in restaurants and worked as a waiter, yeah, I agree. My life is not worth someone robbing the place. I'd be like, I don't get paid enough. Enjoy. Yeah. Like, I'm still getting my paycheck either way. <laughs> <laughs> so, have fun. <laughs> so, meanwhile, Vincent is just enjoying his time on the toilet reading a magazine. And Pumpkin starts grabbing money and asking everyone for their wallets. We see Jules grab his gun underneath the table, and he lifts up his wallet to hand over. Pumpkin walks over to Jules, asks for his wallet. Jules drops it in, and then Pumpkin asks what's in the case. Jules says that it's his boss's dirty laundry, and Pumpkin tells Jules to open it, and Jules says that he can't do that. This is where I clocked that the guy was named Pumpkin and the girl was named Honey Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> subtitles usually are my friends in this moment i was like how am i supposed to know which one is pumpkin and which one is anybody <laughs> like honestly either could be either i don't know so pumpkin says that they have a vigilante and honey bunny tells him to shoot him in the face i love that they're trying to put on this hard guy act even though in the very first scene they literally said we don't want to hurt anybody <laughs> yeah just entertaining so Jules doesn't want to hurt Pumpkin's ego, but explains like, look, mate, this is not the first gun that I have had in my face. The manager <laughs> yells from the back. He's like, stop yeah. causing problems. You'll get us all killed. Just give him what he wants so we can all get out of here. <laughs> Jules yells back, shut up. 
Yeah. <laughs> Bumpkin says he will count to three, and if Jules doesn't open the case, he'll unload onto his face. He gets to three. Jules says, okay, you win. It's yours, and puts the case on the table. Jules opens it, and inside there's some golden glow. I'm not really sure what it is, but assume gold, I guess. Because golden glow. I don't know. Whatever. That's a big mystery. It's whatever you want it to be. Whatever's in this briefcase has a golden glow to it. Listeners, send me all of your wild, wacky ideas of what you think might be in this. I cannot wait to hear from you, potentially. So, while Pumpkin is distracted, Jules grabs him, pulls him in, and puts a gun to his throat. Honey Bunny goes crazy and tells Jules to, you know, let Pumpkin go and... Jules is yelling at Pumpkin to tell Honey Bunny to be cool. Finally, everyone kind of calms down a bit, and Pumpkin tries to chill out Honey Bunny. We learn that her real name is Yolanda, which I like a lot more than Honey Bunny, so we're going to call her Yolanda from (laughs) now on. (laughs) So, Jules asks Yolanda if she's going to do anything stupid. Yolanda says don't hurt him, and Jules says nobody's going to get hurt. We're all just going to be three little Fonzies. Again, is Fonzie a thing that I'm just whoosh? Yes. Okay, so (laughs) Fonzie is from the show Happy Days, played by Henry Winkler. Fonzie was the coolest guy in in the universe of the show. Fonzie was the coolest guy, like leather jacket, pompadour, the coolest guy. And in real life, people thought Fonzie, like the character was cool. He was, he, it was one of those situations where sitcom was about, you know, this this family in the 50s, and then they introduced the, the Fonz, Fonzie, Arthur Fonzarelli, to be like this kind of new character brought in. And then he became so popular, the show became about him. So Fonzie was cool. He was the coolest. So like, it was like, like we're going to be three little Fonzies. And what's Fonzie like? He's cool. Like, that's a... He's cool. So that's the, that's the reference. Everyone's going to be cool like Fonzie. Fair enough. With the number of times that they said cool in this, I just really expected some, like, musical number to pop out from, like, West Side Story of all of them just snapping and being like, aha. (laughs) (laughs) She's gotta be cool. Like, I just expected that at some point. I was like, it's not gonna happen, but also, how amazing would that be if that just broke (laughs) out right now? (laughs) So, Jules tells Pumpkin that he's gonna count to three, and on three... Pumpkin is going to let go of his gun, place his palms on the table, and sit down. Pumpkin does this, and then Yolanda yells again to let him go, and Jules says, Yolanda, I thought you were going to be cool. Now, when you yell at me, it makes me nervous, and when I get nervous, I get scared. And when a motherfucker gets scared, that's when motherfucker accidentally gets shot. Not what happened to Marvin. He got shot, <laughs> and he wasn't scared or yelling or anything. He just got shot. Poor Marvin. No justice for Marvin. So, Jules explains the situation. Normally, they'd both be dead, but they happen to pull this little stunt during his transitional period. And he doesn't want to kill them, and he wants to help them. And he can't give them the case because it doesn't belong to him. Fair enough. Vincent comes out, and Jules... Tells Yolanda to point the gun back at him, not pointing it at Vincent. And then just tells Vincent to step back and don't do anything. Jules tells Pumpkin to go into the bag of wallets, find his wallet, and he says that it's the one that says, bad motherfucker. Pumpkin does so, he pulls out the wallet, 
it actually says bad motherfucker on the wallet. I didn't expect yeah. that. Like, fair enough. He wasn't lying. Jules tells Pumpkin, open it up, take out the money. Pumpkin does so, and when he counts the money, there's about 1500 US dollars in there, which in 1994 money is going to be a lot. Yeah. So I think we looked it up. I think it's about $1 in 1994 is to about $2 now. So that's almost three grand, roughly. Yeah. In today's money. So a good chunk of money. And. Jules tells him to place it in his pocket, and between that, the other wallets, and the register, there's a pretty nice score for you. Vincent then chimes in, because of course he does, and says, Jules, if you give this Nimrod 1500 I'm just gonna have to shoot him on fucking principle. And that of course makes Yolanda freak out again, so Jules has to peacemake and get everyone to calm down again. Yep, Jules gotta, Jules gotta peacemake, and again, this is, this is probably when I was like, I really just want a musical number to go off like we've said cool so many times you can't just say cool so many times without west side story happening so jules says that he is buying something for this money he's buying his life and jules says he's giving him the money so that he doesn't have to kill pumpkin and then ask pumpkin if he reads the bible and i was like oh no i don't have a good feeling about this mm -hmm. and i was right it's the exact same passage it's ezekiel twenty five seventeen. But it's delivered in a very different way than how it's delivered earlier. After Jules finishes this delivery, he explains that he has been saying this for years and that if you heard it, it usually meant your ass. And Jules never thought about what it meant. He just thought that it was a cold-blooded thing to say to a person before he popped a cap in their ass. But what he saw this morning made him think twice. Now he thinks maybe it means that you're the evil man, I'm the righteous man, and this 9mm is the shepherd protecting his ass in the valley of darkness. Or, you're the righteous man, I'm the shepherd, and it's the world that's evil and selfish. He would like this to be the truth, but this is not the truth. The truth is, is that Pumpkin is weak, and that Jules is the tyranny of evil men, but he is trying real hard to be the shepherd. Jules then cocks the gun, puts it on the table, and tells Pumpkin to leave. Pumpkin and Yolanda leave the coffee shop. Vincent kind of strolls up to Jules and goes, I think we should be leaving now. Jules is like, yep, that's probably a good idea. They get up, head out to walk out of the coffee shop. Just before they walk out the door, they put the guns back down their pants, and then they walk out the door, and that is the end of the film. Yeah. Fantastic ending. The music hits again. Boom. Fantastic film. Fantastic ending. Not what I expected at all. I was expecting big, bloody, gory fight. I liked the twist. I liked the twist that it was... Jules was just like, nah, like, I'm gonna explain this to you. Don't... Kinda don't do this kind of thing is what I got the vibe of what he was saying. But... Just go. Don't worry about it. But also at the same time, like, that's his transitional period. So it makes sense of, like, hey, so I'm thinking that, like, when they went to go deliver this briefcase, he did tell Marcellus the truth, and he's like, I want to retire. And I think that Marcellus was just like, you know what? You've done good work for me. I respect you. Like, fair enough. Like, go off. Live your life. Mm -hmm. You know? 
but yeah, I absolutely loved this film. It was great. Funny in moments, very heart-wrenching in moments, made me feel queasy, made me feel happy, made me feel sad, made me question certain things, found a couple of things that I was like, why could this not just make sense? So, like, little plot hole things, but also at the same time, like, overall, just really, really good film. I can see why it is considered such a classic. Yeah, and... There were no other movies like it at the time it came out. Like, it was so different from everything else that had been coming out for the last, like, decade. And certainly, it was, you know, it was a smaller indie film. Like, the budget was $8 million. Yeah, I have the details. Yeah. The budget was $8 million and it box office $213.9 All of this yeah. is U.S. dollars. Yep. So, yeah, it just... it. Honestly, it's a movie that changed movies, like without a doubt. There were so many ripoffs or like movies trying to be alt fiction style in the years immediately after it. Most of them are terrible. Some are decent. But yeah, it was real wild. Very much. I'm, I'm glad I got to. I have not watched this movie, I think, since college. So, you know, it's been 20 years since I watched it. So I was glad to see it again. I'm glad that you got to revisit it. So real quick, before we end the episode, I always, once I finish a film, I like to give some details about the film. Like, how did it do? So we just talked about the box office numbers. It has an 8.9 out of 10 on IMDb. It is a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is number 8 on the IMDb Top 250 list. And it had 75 nominations for multiple different awards and had 70 wins. Yeah. Which is wild. It had seven Oscar nominations. It won the Oscar for Best Writing Screenplay Directly Written for the Screen. The nominations for the Oscars were Best Picture, Travolta for Best Actor in a Leading Role, Samuel Jackson for Best Actor in a Supporting Role, Uma Thurman for Best Actress in a Supporting Role, Tarantino for Best Director, and the film for Best Editing. And also in the BAFTA, Samuel L. Jackson won the BAFTA for Best Supporting Actor that year, and it again won the BAFTA for Best Original Screenplay. So... Very highly regarded, did very well in terms of awards, which isn't always the end-all be-all of a good film, but it's always just interesting to see how does it do. And, you know, made a killing at the box office compared to how much it cost. And, yeah, just amazing, amazing film. If you've gotten to the end of this and haven't seen it yet, go watch it. My recommendation for this film would also be go watch it. I know that that has been my recommendation for every film that I have watched so far. Eventually, I'm sure I will end up watching a film where I'm like, I don't care for it, but I haven't gotten to that point yet. So you got to get into some weird stuff. Like, I'm working like, on it. Yeah, this was uh, yeah, don't you no one needs to watch Come and See, which is a, a war movie, but it's supposed to be good, but like apparently a hard movie to watch. <laughs> Fair enough. I haven't seen the Jurassic Park movies. And so at some point, I will do that series. And I know that there's a Jurassic Park 3. And I know that it's bad. Yeah. But if I'm doing the series, I have to watch it. So. And now there's like, what is there six Jurassic Park movies now? 
I think so, because now you have the Jurassic World stuff. Like, yeah. Jurassic Park is one of those movies where I never actually watched it sitting. I know most of what happens in Jurassic Park 1, because it was always just that movie that was on TV. Mm, yeah, fair. And so I watched it in bits and bobs, but I never sat down and watched it from start to finish. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, Pulp Fiction, amazing film. Definitely recommend it. Michael... Thank you so much for joining again this week. If the people want to find you on the internet doing things, how can they do so? How can they find your stuff? Well, they can find me on Twitter at MikeIsErnie at Twitter.com. Um, you can find my books on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Go to your local comic book shop and be like, hey, I'd like you to order Orcs in Space Volumes 1 through 3 for me. That would be amazing. And most comic book shops will do that for you. Same with Junior Braves The Apocalypse. That might be a little bit harder because the, there's two books in that series out and they both came out a couple years ago now. The third book is still being worked on. So it might be harder for stores to kind of special order that one, but you can probably get it on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. That's, that's all for me. Wonderful. Well, Michael, thank you so much for joining. I had an absolute blast talking with you about this film. Listeners, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, I'll catch y'all later. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Post Finale. This podcast is created, hosted, and produced by me, Ankit Madeira. I also run the social media. Our editor is Pranav Nair. The music is by Ankit Madeira and Megan Hutchison. And the art is by Jared Rother. If you would like to support the show and get access to some bonus content, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash postfinale. Any of the money made from the Patreon goes directly back into funding the show. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at PostFinalePod on all three platforms. If you want to help out the show in a non-monetary way, tell a friend about the show. Reach out and say, hey, you love movies, or I've been trying to get you to watch more movies. Check out this new podcast. The guest tends to have very bad guesses on what's going to happen next. Talk about us on social media or leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever app you use to listen to the show. This really helps a lot. And thank you to anyone who has already done this. And thank you to anyone who will do this in the future. And be sure to join us next week as we start our journey on the next film. And as I teased during the intermission, it's a horror film. And until then, I'll catch y'all later. Later.